When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. That all-important time once again. Oh, yeah. Time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my good friend right here, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. I'm excited for today. We're going to try something new. Yes, this is uh, something different. Yeah. Here's something neat that you might want to know. The Decibel Geek VIPs, they already knew we were going to do this That's because true. we sat down and when we record Chris and Aaron shows and things like that for them, not only are they getting extra content, but they're getting behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. that nobody else gets. So when we're sitting around going, okay, for example, what we talked about last week, you know, how are we going to do things differently? We're going to try things a little bit different. So we went through some ideas that we kind of thought bounced things back and forth. Basically had like a brainstorming session, but we recorded it and yeah. released it to our Decibel Geek VIPs. And one of the things we talked about was what we're doing today. We're going to take an old Hit Parader magazine from May of 1983, and we're going to go through the whole thing. And there's all kinds of amazing tidbits in here. Think about that. May 1983. You know it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, and you know, you've heard of YouTube reaction videos. This is kind of a old rock magazine version of that we're gonna we're gonna see what's in the magazine and react to it yeah i think it should be a lot of fun because there's some crazy stuff inside this old hit parade well and if it would be with it being hit parader it's probably um interviews that were made up on the spot yeah never actually happened um concert concert reviews that were written before the tour started (laughs) (laughs) album reviews of albums that hadn't come out yet at the time yeah because hit parader has a long reputation of let's just say making stuff up on the spot to meet their deadlines okay so when we go through We'll see if they were accurate or yeah, not. Let's, let's see. There may be some discrepancies all these years later in hindsight. Music from the Elders kisses heaviest album to date. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. Well, before we get to all that, you know we got to take care of our business. Well, last week we didn't have any reviews no. or recommendations, and that's a bummer. But I see this week that's changed. We have a couple right here. As a matter of fact, this one is an Apple Podcast review, and it's entitled No Reviews. Here's one, and it's five stars. It goes a little something like this. Great pod. Just found it. Keep on rocking. Please play Queens of the Stone Age or Caius. 
I guess they didn't hear last week's episode. No, no Queens of the Stone Age. Start, start singing a Queens of the Stone Age song, Aaron. <laughs> I'm not going to but do that. But only five seconds of it or else we get sued. But I love both those bands. I do too. Like two of my favorite bands. I'd have to, I know both of them are in my top 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age probably in my top 10. Kaya's one of the more underrated bands. From oh, back most in the day. definitely. Such great riffage in that stuff. If you're a fan of just fuzzy, stony guitar that rocks and has great hooks, you got to check out some Caius. That came from uh, Caius Fan 1 on Apple Podcasts. Number one. I might be number 36. I wonder if Josh Homme wrote that review. (laughs) (laughs) What a self-serving review. Yeah, no kidding. If you love it that much, why don't you come to Rockin' Pod, Josh? Oh, speaking of that. (laughs) Yeah, we got all kinds of cool announcements. Let me get this other one. Yeah, yeah, we'll get the business done. Yeah, we got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about today. Here's a Facebook recommendation. Comes to us from John Phillips, and he recommends the Decibel Geek Podcast because of the great discussions on good music. Short, sweet, to the point. We'll take it. Thank you, John. We like it. Thank you for the reviews and recommendations. Keep them coming. We Mm -hmm. don't like it when we don't have any. We like it better when we have many. Yeah, it makes our day. So our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are people that shared on Facebook, retweeted on Twitter last week's Universally Rejected episode, which spawned a lot of discussion. Yeah, these are the people that are still with us. Yeah, the people that haven't <laughs> quit on the show yet. <laughs> all right. I just going to say, all the, the response that we got off of that has mm-hmm. been pretty overwhelming. Yeah. The fact that so many people just were like, we don't care what you do, just keep doing it. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't I don't think I saw one person go, I'm out, I'm not yeah. going to listen anymore. So, And most people are saying, you know, we listen to it because we want to hear the discussion, not so much yeah. the music. But no, it was cool. I mean, it was great feedback, and we love to hear from you guys. So, you know, any episode we do, go in the comment section and, and leave your feedback on it because it means a lot. And there are some interesting suggestions on there, some stuff that yeah. we're probably going to try out. Most um, definitely. Some stuff where we might be able to get around playing some music in a roundabout yeah, way. So yeah. uh, some good dis- good discussion on that. Oh, we're still plotting and scheming. Don't we worry are. about us. If you know anything about this show, you know that it never stays the same anyway. So, right, so that's true. You're going to get plenty of different things. Geeks of the Week this week are Jeffrey Mendenhall, Kristen Schimbeck, Treble from Jesus Chrysler, Destroyer Senior, John Phillips, Baco, Brad Schick, Paul Smith, Greg Troyan, Copers and Fire, Brian Knapp, Joe Royland, Spit and Spin with Joe, Sean Cullen, Aaron Martell, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Joseph Capone, Samuel Wetz, Darren Parkin, Thor Bjorn Olson, David Glenn, Mike Grabowski, Matt Porter, The Kiss Room, Warren Edward LaRue Baker, Christopher Stokes, Mikhail Burrell, Bill Elam, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Eric Luzier, Joe Lascon, Keith Rockford, Greg Spicoli, Renault, Andrew Jacobs, Eladio, Twisted Kister, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. Oh, yeah. Thanks to everybody that shared last week's episode, the universally rejected. We don't feel rejected, we feel the love. Yeah, And we love it a lot when you guys get out there and share, retweet, and help us spread the word about what we're doing here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, saving rock and roll yeah. with your help. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you ready to check this out? Yeah. Look at do it. Look at this bad boy right here, front and center yeah. on the cover. Eddie Van Halen. It's May of 1983. He's got his uh, his shirt wide open and a Van Halen necklace. You know, the management wanted him to wear Van Halen sunglasses, Van Halen hat, Van Halen t-shirt, and everything else for this cover shoot. But Eddie said, no, I'll do the necklace, but I'm not wearing all that other stuff. And the guitar, I'm not Gene Simmons. The guitar, the striped guitar that's yeah. beat all to hell. That's so cool. Yeah. So on the cover from 83, we're going to get a nice Ozzy Osbourne centerfold. Oh, boy. We got some kiss on this one. I always like this this kind of reminds me of how you did the radio, radio sucks things yep. it's like the inspiration for that mm-hmm. kiss tales from the road bob seeger going the distance foreigner jukebox heroes jay giles band party time 
Pat Benatar, Rock's Platinum Princess, and of course, Eddie Van Halen in Search of the Lost Chord. Plus, we're going to see some REO Speedwagon, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Cheap Trick, Girls' School, Aerosmith, The Who, Saga, Riot, and UFO. And of course, the words to your latest hit songs. Mm -hmm. That was always a hit parader staple to put the lyrics in. That's true. So we open it up on the front cover. What do we got here? Big old picture of John Cougar Mellencamp. He wants you to subscribe to Hit Parader. And in 1983, for six issues, it was nine bucks. I don't think you can go to the magazine rack and buy a magazine for nine bucks anymore. They're all pretty expensive these days. Because there's not many out there. Do you know that story about not long before this, um, there was a certain run of Kiss Creatures of the Night albums that were screwed up. And you would buy the album, it'd have the cover, it'd have the sleeve, mm-hmm. but the album itself would be um, American Fool by John Cougar Mellencamp. Oh, man. <laughs> For real. This is worse than what happened when I bought The Elder yeah. and put that album on. <laughs> this is a Jethro Tull record. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, but yeah, there was a there was a series of, of misprints where it was John Cougar Mellencamp's album instead of Kiss Inside. Wow. How pissed off would Kiss fans be? For yeah, that? can you imagine expecting it to be the new Kiss record? You look at the album cover and they look badass on the cover. Yeah. And it's blue and their eyes are glowing. <laughs> you're all excited. You're looking at the the titles of the song and it's yeah. War Machine. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know I love it loud, mm, awesome, killer. You know, killer. This could be great. Put it on and little ditty, little ditty, <laughs> Jack and Diane. <laughs> First disco, then Prague, and now this. Yeah, what the I'm fuck? done. That's it. Final straw. <laughs> Kiss went. Full melon can. <laughs> this is a cautionary tale for anybody who's considering going full melon camp. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. This version of the album only available at the local Tasty Freeze. That's funny. <laughs> All right. That's wild. I did not know that. Yep. So John Cougar Mellencamp wants you to subscribe. He says, uh, oh, Was there a quote from him yeah. on this? I'm sure it's really a quote from him, too. What does it say? In fact, I subscribe to Hit Parader. I want to read who said what about whom. And of course, the pictures are great. It's John Cougar Mellencamp saying, I want to see who said something negative about me so I can yeah. beat their ass. Well, I want you to know that all the rock stars read Hit Parader so we can see who's talking shit about each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in here. That's kind of the funny thing about it Hit Parader. It's a gossip mag. It really is. It's a gossip magazine yeah. based around rock music. Mm-hmm. And people ate it up. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go to page two. It's another advertisement. Coming to a theater near you, Eddie Macon's Run. You ever heard of that movie? No. It's got John Schneider. Who who is Eddie Macon? I don't know. John Schneider from uh, Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, he's the star on it, looking like a total badass. I have never heard of this movie. Kirk Douglas is in it. So buying ad ad space and Hit Parader wasn't a smart move for for those who ever made this movie. Because, I mean, here we are all these years later, and I've never heard (laughs) of Eddie Macon's run. No. I wonder if there's somebody out there listening to this going, it's the greatest movie of all time. Say so in the comment section. We'll see. Give us your review of John Schneider. All right. And then we got the credits in here. Publisher, John Santiago Jr. Editor. Is there any names in there we know? Andy Setcher. Setcher. I only know him because... I know that name. Is he you, Andy Setcher, Hip Parader, Circus Magazine, Get in the Ring by Guns N' Roses? Oh, yeah. God. Long time. Where Axl Rose talks shit about Andy Setcher and Hip Parader. Okay. Spreading lies, starting controversy. You want to antagonize me? Haven't heard that in years. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't recognize none of the other names. I wonder if any of these people are real. 
<laughs> yeah, no, some of them are probably not. They're like one guy keeps changing his name. Cover photos credited to Howard Rosenberg. I'm not hmm. sure. Okay. All right, then we got the table of contents, but let's get right to the first story here. It's Eddie Van Halen in Search of the Lost Chord by Mark Shapiro. Hmm. Eddie Van Halen, the fastest fingers in rock. Some cool quotes in here. I like this and some yeah, well, neat pictures. Got... I didn't know how to do anything, Eddie says. All the rich families were sending their kids off to college. I was sitting there with my thumb in my ass. <laughs> I didn't have any marketable skills, so it was either play guitar or wind up pumping gas. Good thing he played guitar. Eddie Van Halen was in a playful mood as he relaxed in an armchair while telling this tale. In other parts of Van Halen's Los Angeles headquarters, the remaining band members were modeling new stage costumes, checking out concert program art, and making departure plans on the latest leg of their Diver Down World Tour. Okay, so this is when Diver Down was out. So you talk about how Hip Parader is kind of like a gossip magazine. I'm noticing here right off the bat... There's a lot of talk about Valerie Bertinelli. I'm sure. They were basically newlyweds at that point, right? Yep. Eddie, as you know, is married to actress Valerie Bertinelli. And for the better part of two years, many a scandal sheet reporter has earned his paycheck at their expense. Eddie proved quite accommodating in examining his side of the story. No, Valerie's not pregnant. We're not breaking up. I'm sure as hell not fooling around. Most people realize that what those papers print is shit. But at one point, Valerie and I did do an interview on Entertainment Tonight just to show people our marriage wasn't falling apart. Hmm. So they must have been getting rung through the ringer. Just to show you how off-base these rags have been, one of them had a story about Valerie and me fighting in a restaurant. Well, the only time I'd ever been in that restaurant was five years before I met her. You know, Eddie said, I don't care if they say things like Valerie's a bad actress, as long as they don't say nothing bad about Van Halen. Wow. No, no, he says, I don't care if they think she's a bad actress, that's a matter of opinion. But when they print things like she's got body odor, that's a bit much. She's got body odor. (laughs) Wow. Reported by David Lee Roth. Yeah, so apparently somebody (laughs) thought Eddie's wife was a little stinky. Did you know I I knew who Valerie Bertinelli was before I knew who Eddie Van Halen was? Because what TV show was she? One day at a time. Yeah, that's right. And I was I remember seeing watching her on that show well before I got into rock and roll. Yeah. Yep. And I the first which I guess honestly the first thing I ever heard Van Eddie Van Halen play on was "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. Oh wow! Because I was into that at the time. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know that too. It was playing. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first thing I ever heard him on. This is pretty cool right here. I like this quote. Richie Blackmore fucking hates my ass. He hates everybody's ass. And I don't even know why. I've met him backstage at shows, and he wouldn't even talk to me. Joe Perry isn't one of my biggest fans either. Oh. Back in 78, we were playing with Aerosmith. I walked up to shake his hand, and he just looked at me and walked away. Wow. That's wild, huh? At the time, I really didn't understand what was going on. I thought maybe it was my deodorant or something. There we go. Back to body odor. Back to the body odor. I guess they're all... Like, she's standing next to him. He stinks... And so they assume it's her, or this other, is really Eddie's fault. Or it's the other way around. Maybe she does have body odor. Like, was she standing next to you when you introduced yourself to Richie Blackmore? There's your problem. Richie Blackmore's just an asshole. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, him and Joe Perry, they were, they were guitar heroes. And then Eddie Van Halen shows up, probably felt threatened by him. Yeah, most definitely. That's what he says. Then I realized that they were acting that way because they were jealous of me. Yeah. I'd had that shit directed at me all the time from a whole lot of people, said Van Halen. For the name of equal time, Eddie also wanted to be known He thinks, who he thinks are aces in his book. Neil Sean's a great guy. Alan Holdsworth is great. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so great, in fact, that Eddie is co-producing his new album. He's a big fan of Alan Holdsworth, always has been. So did he end up doing that album with him? I don't. That's somewhere maybe. Into. I can't remember. I'm uh, not an Alan Holdsworth fan myself. Jeff Berlin and Tim Bogart are Jeff solid Berlin. musicians. He lives here in Nashville. Yeah, I saw him play at the uh, Middle Middle Tennessee Bass Off last year with Billy Sheehan. Nice. Yeah, great get player. Rockin' Pod. That's an idea. Uh, let's see. I get along with most of them because they're professional musicians who are not threatened or afraid of their position. Those mm. are the kind of people that are easy to get along with. Like other guitar players, meet Eddie Van Halen. Like, oh man, this guy's gonna could totally steal my job. They'd fire me in a heartbeat to get him. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of egos back in those days, too, so I can I can see all that. Let's see, what else Eddie got to say? Fuck, if I know how to do the things I do, I just come up with them. I know I play differently than a lot of people do, and I know you hear sounds coming out of my guitar that you don't hear anyplace else. But where those sounds come from is anybody's guess. He's not giving you no clues. He's not telling you how to do it. He would play with his back to the audience. He's going to turn his back so you can't see what his fingers are doing. Yeah. If it's because of some kind of drug I was taking, I'd tell you. But I really don't know how I do the things that I do with the guitar. Hmm. The conversation stopped momentarily as David Lee Roth wandered into the interview room. (laughs) said, Bozy, Bozy, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Modeling a pair of black leather pants with the ass cut out. No. They'll love this in the Midwest, cackled Roth as he disappeared down the hallway. And in South Carolina, as Todd Zillow attested. Yeah, right. Oh, they really loved it there. (laughs) And he says, you know, I've been hearing stories for years that I have to get a buzz on to create a new lick on the guitar. And that's just not the case. I wouldn't be able to do the things I do with the guitar if I was a druggie. I can't even handle smoking pot. It makes me crazy and insecure. There's no way in hell I could be on drugs and create, let alone get up on stage and play in front of an audience. But I do drink quite a bit. (laughs) The Eddie Van Halen of 15 years later disagrees with that statement. Now I also drink and do drugs and and get up on stage and write new songs. It's great. This is going to sound a bit weird, but what I do is go through a kind of meditation I have to play for two or three hours straight just to get myself into a frame of mind where I'm not aware of anything around me. At that point, things just begin to come out. When I want to come up with something new, I just lock myself up in a little room with a tape recorder going and just play and play and play. After doing that for a while, I'll stop and play back what I've done. You'd be surprised at the things that have jumped out at me when I've played that tape back. That's a lot of songwriters do it that way. You know, just jam and jam and jam and listen to it and be like, that right there i can do something with that little note and turn that into this this also supports what i was talking about a few weeks ago where you know with his health issues where you know nobody likes to think about you know somebody dying but like the um, that tells me that it's probably true that the amount of stuff he has locked away in a vault yeah musically i mean it's got to be Oh, yeah. Probably hundreds, if not thousands of hours worth of stuff. And you got to think, too, it's not like some dumb record company's got him just in some old shabby warehouse down in Florida or something. He's got the 5150 Studios, and everything is right there. I bet you they're in some kind of giant safe with temperature-controlled rooms. I hope so. Fireproof walls and all that stuff. But, yeah, I bet there's a massive amount of stuff in the archive for him. Do you know what the first song Eddie ever learned how to play? No. According to this, it was a Ventures song. I think it was called Walk, Don't Run or something like that. That was like one of that. the first songs I learned how to yeah. play. My dad taught me how to play that there song. There you go. Yep. You as good as Eddie Van Halen? Hell no. You should have kept practicing. I learned Walk, Don't Run <laughs> and um, Pipeline. 
those are both really cool yeah. guitar songs. I like them both. And Anthrax's version of Pipeline Rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope. It had four chords in it, and I remember playing those four chords for hours on end. And for me, it was the greatest thing in the world. It's a good song. From that point, I jumped into Grand Funk, Black Sabbath, and Cream. Cream, and in particular Eric Clapton, soon became Van Halen's overriding influence. As his talents matured, Eddie also found favor and or disfavor with other musicians. I was somewhat into Hendrix, even though I was never able to play any of his songs. I never really got into Beck until I saw his Blow by Blow album. I like Jimmy Page's producing and his songwriting, but I've never really cared for his lead guitar work. Huh. That's wild. I didn't know that. Eddie's current list of idols pretty much begins and ends with guitarist Alan Holdsworth, yep. who Van Halen claims is really out there. After you get past Holdsworth, everybody else is either imitating me or just doing nothing. Wow. Guitar players imitating me is a nice form of flattery, but I like going, wow, what's that guy doing to give me a spark in my ass? But there aren't many rock guitarists today playing who make me want to turn my head and find out how he's doing what he's doing. I can turn on the radio and play along with any song that comes on without any problem. I like players who blow me away and do something to me. And that includes their personalities as well as their ability to play, continues Eddie. I don't consider myself a rock star. I just happen to play guitar, and that's the way I make my living. You'll never catch me walking around saying, hey, I'm bitching because I play guitar. But I run across a lot of musicians who are only in music to get laid and to satisfy a very superficial ego. Gene Simmons. They could care less (laughs) if they're nothing more than cliched musicians. Yeah. Is this around the time where he's wanting to join Kiss? I was Kiss? just going to say, that, yeah, this is the time where he supposed, supposedly yeah. wanted to join Kiss. Or I was 82, I guess. But yeah. I don't buy that story. Eddie Van Halen didn't want to join Kiss. Let's face it. You don't get Guitar Player Magazine's Player of the Year Award two years running for hitting three chords and blowing a smoke bomb out into the audience. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Who could he possibly be talking about? Well, and that's the thing about old hit paraders, especially when Van Halen first came out. I had an uncle that had a big stack of old hit paraders, and I was just blown away at like 16 when I found these. Mm-hmm. And they're all from the 70s and early 80s. And when when you read the letters that the people write into the magazine, it's constant arguing between who's better Ace Fraley or Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And now you just have it on Facebook. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And message boards. But that's pretty funny. You know, yeah. Smoke bomb. Hmm. I wonder, but while Van Halen considers himself a progressive guitarist, he wants to be known. He wants it to be known that he is a rocker at heart and he likes his music hard, heavy and loud. There's nothing creative in playing our music loud, at least not for me. It's for personal pleasure. I love my arm hairs to move when I'm playing. I just like to feel it. Rock and roll is something that's got to come out of the ground. It doesn't get me off when it sounds wimpy. But I don't play loud just for the sake of playing loud. I get a nice tone out of my guitar, and when I'm playing loud, not like a lot of people out there that just crank the fuck out of everything, and the sound distorts to the point where it sounds like shit. Eddie Van Halen, like, he's very sure of himself at this point. He's mm-hmm. sure that he likes to talk shit about other guitar players. He, he's got a wife it's a little stinky, but he loves her anyway. And <laughs> yeah. Things are good for Eddie Van Halen in yeah. 1983. I like it. Decent interview. Wow. This movie is, I didn't know it was this old and had different actors. What's that? Bad Boys. Bad Boys? Bad Boys. What you gonna do? Starring Sean Penn. Coming soon to a theater near Don't you. Don't remember that one either. In their world, the game of life is not won. 
until the score is even. Weird movies in the hit parader. Yeah. Chris, you want to make some extra money? Yeah, sure. Four ways to get someone in the music business to listen to your song. Mm. Back in 83, that's all you had to do. You could, uh, you could get yourself on a lift outside their window, like you're washing windows, and bring your piano up there and play it for that's them. A, that's practical. You can sleep outside of the record company. Yeah, the record company door. Or you could just get naked and go in there and sing for somebody. I tried that. It didn't work. Those are the three top ways. That just got me arrested. (laughs) The fourth way is the sure way. To send these people money. It's the 1983 American Song Festival. What's it say? What do they want? How much? I don't think you pay anything. They just want you to send your songs. Oh, so they can take them. (laughs) So they can take them, yes. I'm interested in receiving free information about the 1983 American Song Festival. So that's maybe that's where they get you on the money. You send this in, they send it back to you, and then Mm. they say this will cost you, back then, $5.99. Yeah, X amount of dollars. Next page, we got some awesome Van Halen posters for sale. Mm. All kinds of cool Van Halen stuff. They're all in it. Of course, you got the Atlas body. How could you? That was a mainstay every, of rock magazines. That is a classic thing, right there. That the Charles was in Atlas. Every single magazine, whether it was yep. Hit Parader or Better Housekeeping. Yep. Atlas was in them all. That stud. What a muscle man. Those. They were also in comic books. All right. Should we read some uh, Hit Parader mail? Sure. Yeah, these are always good. All right. This one comes from Janine in Kaysville, Vermont. I think your competitor is copying your format because their magazine is so mealy-mouthed with their flip-flap pages full of boring shit. So, of course... So they're copying you? When they read your magazine, (laughs) they shit a brick and say, wow, we ought to do that. Poor copycats. One good orgasm would probably kill them. Okay, that was written by somebody on the hip <laughs> staff. Yeah, I would probably yeah. agree with that. How many, how many magazines have you read and you're like, gee, Newsweek is so much better than Time. I should right. I should write them about that. Give me a But break. it almost sounds like your magazine is shit. I know. And they're copying you. Yeah. And the reason I know that is because they're shit too. Yeah, what a stupid letter. That's weird. Yeah, we need space filled. Gary from Canton, Ohio, says Hit Parader does not have any competition. Just some story <laughs> excuse of a rag claiming to be a rock magazine. There's another one from the if staff. If they can't come up with original <laughs> ideas, they might as well drop out of circulation and renew their subscription to Hit Parader. So oh who was that? God. Would that have been Circus? Meg? No? That would have been too too early for Circus, right? Uh, no, Circus was 83? around in the 70s even. Yeah. yeah, Circus was around. Metal Edge started right around that time, I think. But yeah. Probably so circus. Pro- probably circus. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that. Those are written by hip parader people. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it's funny. funny that those are the top two ones. Oh my god. Uh, here's one from John Newman in Austin, Texas. I am fucking tired of seeing articles on REO Speedwagon and other that. infant rock and roll bands. Their music sucks herpes. And after all these <laughs> articles, you can name what day Kevin Cronin picked his nose. Wow. Today, that'd be the equivalent of blabbermouth running everything Corey Taylor ever says. Yeah. But back then, it was REO Speedwagon. REO Speedwagon was the slipknot of the of 1983. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I never expected to hear ever. There's our, yeah, there's our, our uh, episode title. Chris <laughs> yeah. Sinzak compares REO <laughs> Speedwagon to Slipknot. There you go, blabbermouth. Run with that. No. Uh, here's another one. Here's a counterpoint on that. Randy Myers from Jonesboro, Arizona. I enjoyed your recent article on REO Speedwagon. <laughs> Sincerely, Kevin Cronin. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Uh, 
Adrian from uh, Enfield, New Hampshire. Mm. If I read one more boring Blondie or Van Halen article, I'm going to puke. <laughs> Debbie Harry is washed up egoist, and David Lee Roth couldn't hold Gene Simmons' jockstrap when it comes to rocking. Let's see something <laughs> on the only group that really matters. Kiss. Oh, wow. Nice one. I'm sure he loved this week's cover story. (laughs) (laughs) How about this one from Jack from Coloma, Michigan? All right. My dog can play guitar better than Ace Frehley, and my dog's missing all four legs. (laughs) (laughs) A dog missing all four legs? That's the whole thing. That's his whole letter right there. You just wrote it on a piece of paper with crayon and sent it in. (laughs) That's it. Wow. Uh, Here's one from Dida in San Francisco. We can't understand a word Robert Plant sings on the Pictures at 11 LP. We heard from a DJ that this is the only way to sell records in audible words. Really? In 1983. That right. was, they're worried about that. They were already sensing the impending doom of black metal coming their way <laughs> right. many years in the future. And Robert were, Plant was the black metal of 1983. Uh, and they were worried about it even <laughs> back then. This is going to get completely out of control. It starts with Robert Plant. Yeah. It ends with Children, tr- children, of, children bottom. of Bottom. <laughs> Let's see. Here's one from Jerry in San Jose. If I could get up on stage in shorts and bob my head up and down like a fool while trying to remember the three chords my guitar teacher taught me an hour before... And make money like Angus Young <laughs> and ACDC, I would. Wow. Uh, Sebi from Berlin, Connecticut. Brian Johnson's voice sounds like an automatic fart shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't pay dog shit to see those pansies. The old ACDC with Bon Scott kicked ass. Now they suck. Wow. Harsh. Damn. Harsh words for ACDC. Mm-hmm. And finally, Julie from Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canadian representation maybe the reason so many people think that rock music is in such a mixed up state is because every time we put down a rock group we're really putting down rock there you go the voice of reason from canada oh she sounds like a karen she wants to speak to the manager all right so up next hit parader miniseries part two of a three-part aerosmith series with tom hamilton and joey kramer Aerosmith, aerosmith were in a bad place in 1983 yeah, I mean, if these are the guys that are showing up for the interviews... Those rock and a hard place here, right? Yep. 83, yeah. The bassist Tom Hamilton and drummer Joey Kramer have always had for Aerosmith is awesome. Even when a series of events sidelined the group, the duo believed Aerosmith would return, though many of their fans weren't so sure. The hard rock quintet has since beaten the odds and regained its momentum, and the rhythm section is being rewarded for its loyalty. A strong comeback album, Rock in a Hard Place... And a successful tour marked the rebirth of what is once again America's premier heavy blues band, Aerosmith. So they're back. I love the record. Yeah. Hamilton is a founding member of Aerosmith. As a teenager, he and Joe Perry formed the band every summer vacation playing dances and clubs. Those groups broke up every September. Aerosmith, with with its original lineup of vocalist Steven Tyler, guitarist Perry and Whitford, drummer Kramer, and bassist Hamilton, was Tom's first full-time band. I was always in a state of polite rebellion, Hamilton said. I've been arrested a few times, but I have no police record. I used to get in trouble in school, but instead of doing it all the time, I had really few bad incidents. This is them talking about when they were kids. This is our chance. We're bad boys, too. It's not just Stephen and Joe. We're polite rebels. (laughs) That's them. They don't like what's going on. 
they're not going to say nothing. Yeah. They're just going to go, man, I hope this works itself out. Joe Perry and Steven Tyler could not be reached for comment on the story because they were both passed out. (laughs) (laughs) And Brad Whitford wanted no part of any of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Eddie Money, the late Eddie Money, looking like a young man here. He wants that looks you. like the Charles Atlas ad. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Except this one's got the muscular Eddie Money on it, and he wants you to buy a Hit Parader t-shirt where the world of rock comes alive. Mm. That'd be cool to have one of them nowadays. Yeah, should send some money and see if you get, get anything back. 1983, The Who, quotations from Chairman Pete. Oh, gosh, this is going to be... Can't imagine some of the crazy stuff this guy's saying back then. The Who never took anybody seriously. We thought the Beatles were an overrated pop group. The Kinks had one good writer and wore extremely funny clothes, which always seemed to be a year out of date. The Rolling Stones were the most important because of their rebellious anarchist image. Not a Beatles fan, huh? One of the most interesting things about the Rolling Stones is the fact that they're good old rock and rollers and they're getting older every day. The same applies to The Who. Yeah, they were old in 1983. Uh, yeah. And, and they're still older. out there. The Who, believe it or not, is getting to understand what it's what it really wants more than ever these days. The members of the band still don't understand each other, but that's how it's always been. On one hand, you've got the personal relationships in the band, and on the other hand, there's the prima donna behavior when it comes to creating music. Gee, who's he talking about? Uh, certainly not himself. No, no. Not, not Pete. Everybody else except for the chairman. This is when the It's Hard record came out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Rock music is not my interest. I actually don't care much about music. It's something on the side and a very small part of my life. <laughs> Even though it's made every bit of money that I ever had. You are not aloof from the world because of rock and roll. Rock and roll is not going to stop you from being blown to bits by a nuclear bomb when it drops. Well, isn't he a ray of fucking yeah, sunshine? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Must be a lot of fun at parties, Pete. <laughs> This party's great, but it's not going to save us the Eddie Vedder, when the nuclear the, bombs hit. The Eddie Vedder of his generation. Boy, I guess. Kind of dressed like him, too. <laughs> I have a very left-wing interpretation of stardom. Lots of people want their position to be very much like it was in the days of Hollywood. They want to be remote, but they want to be worshipped and adored, but don't want their innermost thoughts revealed. Unless you give yourself and everything you've got in the end... You're going to appear shallow because people are going to never get to know the real you. That's kind of... I can dig that. I can agree with that. To a lot of people, we were the original heavy metal because of Live at Leeds. We were playing Tommy on stage with great seriousness and focus, and people weren't even applauding between songs because they were being so reverent about it. Or they didn't like them. Then we'd play a Motorhead version of Summertime Blues, and everyone would start bopping around. So we had the extremes. Hmm. That's pretty wild. Motorhead's on the Who's radar back then. I guess so. The weirdness of working like the Who is that a lot of stuff I don't really enjoy playing. I feel John and Twistle feels this way too. A lot of stuff I write and put out and put a lot of effort in, I don't particularly enjoy working on. But I can't deny that it's not mine. That would surely give the group some eccentric pleasure. What the hell does that even mean? What a curmudgeon asshole. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't like Pete Townsend. I never have. I love some of his playing and his writing, but God, he seems like a dick. Kind of does. Got one more. We wanted to prove that we could be in a rock band and still remain ordinary and stay aware of what was happening in the street. We won't turn into a commercial production outfit like Paul McCartney or turning into a t-shirt selling machine like the Rolling Stones. Behind the scenes, we get away with murder. 
because we've been guilty of both. We put out a record called Squeezebox, which was as bad as Ebony and Ivory, if not worse. <laughs> and we sold a lot of t-shirts, too. Oh. <laughs> At least he's honest about it. <laughs> Pete Townsend. All right. Mm. Up next, it's REO Speedwagon time. Didn't we just talk Do about Do we have this? to have another REO Speedwagon article? I mean, really? Well, this one, they're going back to their childhood neighborhoods. Oh, can we skip the REO Speedwagon article? Yeah. They're, just, they're talking about Illinois, what it was like to be there. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> this was always my favorite part. What? This is going to be awesome. Heavy metal happening. There we go. This is the good stuff right, right. here. Kevin Andy Cronin Setcher. was spotted out at the window. Let's start it out. Here we go. These are the big stories of May of 1983, probably actually a couple of months before this, but that's okay. It's Hit Parader. We didn't have internet back then. There was no other way. You found out three months after the fact. What's going on here? Ozzy Osbourne's father-in-law, Don Arden, who also happens to own Ozzy's label, Jet Records, has signed on as personal manager for two musicians by the names of Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler. You remember Tony and the Geese as Osborne's partners in crime during Black Sabbath's heyday. Tony and the Geese sounds like the worst morning radio show team ever. <laughs> Tony and the Geese. Tony and the Geese in the morning. <laughs> I would listen to that every morning. Yeah. Tony and the Geese. <laughs> How do you like your coffee in the morning? Black Sabbath. Yeah. With Sabbath currently in disrepair and the Blizzard of Oz in limbo, is a possible Sabbath reconciliation in the offering. <laughs> Not for a few more years. But it could make sense that at that time, maybe that's what Don Arden was kind of angling for. Probably. I mean, it's a moneymaker. You, you get Ozzy tied up over here, you know, and what, I guess, if they're saying the Blizzard of Oz is in limbo, that means the first album hadn't come out yet. Yeah, so, so he hadn't he, broken out yet. He's not quite there, mm-hmm. but almost there. Maybe, maybe recorded. I mean, if they got the name already, that's supposed to have been... The name of the band. That was what I heard, was it was a band that was going to be called Blizzard of Oz. But, the, but I've also right. heard that disputed, so I don't know. All I know is Sharon was probably like, Daddy, leave him alone. Yeah, what are you doing? Quit interfering. He's mine. Ozzy is not going back to Sabbath, damn it. It doesn't happen for a long time. Interesting, though, that that's all coming together there. Mm-hmm. Ah, here we go. Sideline Kiss guitarist Ace Fraley survived a near-fatal crash recently when he destroyed his $40,000 Porsche in a late-night accident. Ace is lucky to be alive, Paul Stanley told Heavy Metal Happenings. He still has a lot of pain, but at least he's in one piece. And that's not even the uh, Bronx River Parkway accident. That was the DeLorean. This was was the Porsche. And I think if I remember right from the story I heard, Anton Figg was actually driving... The Porsche, and then when they crashed, they switched places or something like or that. Or, or Anton took the fall for it. I think that's what it was. Dang. Yeah. Ace Frehley was fucking it I up. I think it was in around, like around Central Park, too. Is where yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good times for Ace Frehley, man. He's messing things up. Mm. Bad. Luckily, we know in the future, because we're looking at this in retrospect, everything's going to be all right with him. Yeah, for the most part. Gary Barden is now back in the fold as lead vocalist for the Michael Schenker group. Best vocalist that group ever had, in my opinion. He tells how he was asked to rejoin the band. I was in bed after I'd filled in for Graham Bonnet on the Reading Festival, he explains. It was about 3 in the morning, and I got a call telling me to come down to the bar. When I got there, the whole band was sitting there smiling. When Michael Schenker smiles, you know nothing bad's about to happen to you. Okay. That's interesting. So if you ever meet Michael Shanker, make sure he's smiling because if he's not... Yeah, you're in deep shit. You're in trouble. <laughs> Your life is in danger. 
Aldo Nova recently ran into problems when one of his backing musicians was involved in a shooting in Texas. Nova had to cancel a number of tour dates, but he promised nothing slows me down. The new album will be out any day now. Hope it wasn't Paul Taylor. I'll have to ask him about that. You ever shoot anybody in Texas? Paul? Yeah, I know. He was his backing keyboard yeah. player at that time. It seems like there are enough unreleased Led Zeppelin tracks for about five or six more albums, according to HMH's, HMH's London contact, Jack the Ripper. Jimmy Page has a tape of every concert and every recording session the band has ever did. All he needs is the time to wade through the material and see what's salvageable. That's how Coda came out. You can see Zeppelin albums coming out through until about 1990. Didn't happen. Way into the future, into the 1990s. Yeah. No, but that means it's still There's good. still probably a lot of yeah. stuff out there. Yeah. So hopefully he took the time to, it's not just cassette tapes baking in somebody's attic somewhere. I think Jimmy Page probably took care of all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, because if you're talking about 1983, and if he took the time to record every single recording session, he's got to care enough to take I'm care sure of I'm sure he shit. did, yeah. Unless the ghost of Aleister Crowley came and put a spell on it and ruined it all. A spell of protection to save it forever. Heavy metal head scratcher. Before joining up with Billy Squire, bassist Doug Luban performed with a legendary late 60s West Coast band. What was this group's name? Answer to the last... Oh, that's a that's a trivia question. We don't have the answer to that, but I can tell you the answer to last week's question. Okay. Does it have last week's question? No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, that's not helpful. And the answer is, the well-known British acid rock band that featured the talents of Motorhead's Lemmy Kilmeister was Hawkwind. Oh. So I guess the question was, who... Who is the... Lemmy yeah. Kilmeister's original band. Well, let's go back to the last article. They said that, was it Billy Squire? Uh-huh. How is that? How Why is he in heavy metal happenings? I don't know. He was considered heavy metal? Heavy metal head scratcher. Well, that's a head scratcher. But I guess it's just the title. Yeah. You know? I mean, some of these bands, I guess, wouldn't be considered I guess Aldo Nova is not really heavy, heavy no. metal either. Former Deep Purple vocalist Ian Gillen, now fronting the band Gillen has been suffering from severe vocal problems. British doctors have told Ian that the only way he can eliminate these problems is by giving up singing for at least a year. I could never put up with that, Gillen told Heavy Metal Happenings. I think I'll just keep going and take my chances. He's still going. No. So I guess they didn't know what they were talking about. Still not a fan, but okay. Ooh, here we go. Letter of the Month. Hmm. Letter of the Month. Which staffer wrote this one? Dear Andy... Someone in my school recently told me that Brian Johnson was with another band before he joined ACDC. Jordy. I had never heard of him before Back in Black, and I told my friend that he was wrong. Because I've never heard <laughs> yeah. of it. You're wrong. Yeah, he's never been in a band ever before ACDC. They just found him and said, hey, you want to start singing in a band? Sure. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> That's funny. Do you know if Johnson ever made a record with another band other than ACDC? Dear Ryan, before he joined ACDC, Brian Johnson was lead vocalist in a band called Geordie. While the group never made much of an impact on this side of the Atlantic, they got to be rather big stars in Britain. MCA Records recently released two compilation albums of Geordie material featuring Brian Johnson. Yeah. Cashing in. It's not really that good. I've listened to it. There's some stuff on there that's it's okay, okay. But, yeah. You wouldn't hear it and go, wow, I can see why he became you right. know, a megastar. Yeah. Joan Jett might be hot shit in the good old U.S. of A., 
But promoters at London's 2,500-seat Hammersmith Odeon were forced to give away free singles in an attempt to lure potential ticket customers to Jones' gig. The show sold poorly. I just don't think they believe a chick can really rock and roll, Joan is reported as to have moaned. Moaned? That's what it says. She moaned. I just don't think they <laughs> believe a chick can really rock and roll. Maybe they just don't like tribute acts. Joan I, Jett? That's my hot take. Outside of the Runaways, Joan Jett's a tribute artist. Almost all of her hits are all cover songs. Yeah, that's true. If you think about it like that, yeah. yeah. Crimson and Clover, I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a hot take, I uh, guess. She even did a cover of uh, Dirty Deeds. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. I like that. I do like that cover. The new Saxon tune, I Watch the Sky, was inspired by the movie E.T. According to vocalist <laughs> Biff Byford, we saw it on a slow night during our last U.S. tour. It really inspired us. We figured heavy metal and creatures from other worlds would go together rather well. E.T. and Saxon. Uh-huh. Saxon should have been on the soundtrack. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is neat. I never knew that. Check out the album by Buffalo-based metal mongers Talus. Uh, Billy Sheehan's old band. Their Sink Your Teeth Into That features the amazing bass playing of Billy Sheehan. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with Iron Maiden, you can write to them. They got an address here. 666. <laughs> Run to the Hills Lane. Oh, check this out. This was this is a kind of a time thing here. Attention all metal mongers. We are proud to announce the debut of Hit Parader's Heavy Metal Hotline. Ooh. Your pass into the inner sanctums of headbanger rock and roll. Heavy Metal Hotline is a bi-weekly newsletter crammed with behind-the-scenes info on what all your favorite metal masters are up to. What's Ozzy up to? Where can you get in touch with David Lee Roth? What's happening with up-and-comers like Def Leppard, Raven, Iron Maiden, and Crocus? Who's touring in your town? It's all in the hotline. The newsletter that's mailed directly to you. It's not available on newsstands. You get to read exclusive interviews with Angus Young, Jimmy Page, Rob Helford, and be the first to know the inside info that we can't always print in Hit Parader. So that's pretty cool. Heavy so, metal hotline, but so, it's a newsletter. But it's a newsletter, yeah. I thought this it should was, be a phone number. Right, that's what I was thinking it was going to, is like 99 for the first minute and you know all that. Damn druggy heavy metal people don't know what a hotline is. That's pretty cool, though. I don't remember. Well, I guess it was 83, so I wouldn't remember, but... A few years later, you had dial an insult. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Call up a phone number, pay money to have somebody make fun of you. All right. Here we get to where the songs are getting printed. Oh, here's Christine the Button Queen in 1983. Right there. Your own personal buttons, only a dollar each. Now you know what she was up to back then. (laughs) I'll always love looking back at these, looking at the artifacts. Yeah. Look at this one. It's Remember a these? Time. Draw Snuffy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. $8,000 in prizes. Yeah, but all you do is draw that, right? Yeah. Anybody can copy that thing. Sure, they can. You can just trace on it. Right. I used to sit and draw those when I was a kid, going, you know, it looks great. You know, my but- brother could do all that shit. He and my brother was a really, he still is a really good artist. And like, yeah, I used to always bug him, like, you need to enter into these contests. Nobody he was did. like, no, stupid, they're fake and not real. It's I just think a he scam. Knew that. Yeah. Lots of t shirts and posters. Back then, like this is way back, like this is all mostly, you know, black and white paper. Oh yeah. It's cheap. And it's like got the posters and stuff, you but can you can't barely even make really it out. see what the hell yeah. they are. It's like a black metal band logo. Let's see, Rock Tunes by Rock Rick Tunes. Emmett. Rick Emmett. Yeah, he was drawing cartoons. It's got a picture of the road manager standing by the dressing room door. It's got two, I guess, pygmies with shrunken heads in their hands. What the fuck? And the punchline is, but the road manager said we could get in 
if we gave this well, a little head? A little head. Uh, <laughs> Rick Emmett's a better musician than a jokester. That is pretty funny, though. It is funny, though. All right, here's some record reviews. We got Led Zeppelin's Coda, Ozzy Osbourne's Speak of the Devil. So Speak of the Devil was out, so this is before Blizzard yeah. of Oz, or after Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Unless so, this is one of the cases where they're writing the review before it comes out. This album's going to come out in a year. Ozzy's double live Speak of the Devil is the end, the dead end, the final straw, the holocaust, the apocalypse. This is the end, my only friend. As Led Zeppelin was to those original blues artists, Black Sabbath was to Led Zeppelin, and now Ozzy Osbourne is the Black Sabbath. Got that? It means that Ozzy Osbourne is one step removed from total noise, absolute chaos, and the most delirious hardcore anarchy. No, seriously, Speak of the Devil is actually tuneful in spots. This double live set of Ozzy performing his old Black Sabbath standards has the feel of classicism about it. Compared to Ozzy's solo material anyway... Oh, man. Huh. War Pigs is not as monolithic as the original because guitarist Brad Gillis trots out every single heavy metal guitar cliche he can <laughs> for four sides plus. It's a schmaltzy overkill, but it works. I love that record. Ozzy plays some soul harp on The Wizard, while Never Say Die and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath remind you that the English can still write a tune even when they're riffing you to death. This is all pretty amiable stuff. Ozzy sings about the devil with all the trepidation of somebody going to the supermarket instead of hell. (laughs) Ozzy's banality of evil stands heavy metal boredom on its ear by revitalizing the idiom through grotesque overkill, finishing the circle Led Zeppelin started 13 years earlier. I think that album's great. Yeah, that is cool. I always like that. Ozzy going back and doing the... The only thing I think would have made it better is if Randy Rhodes would have been on Oh, sure, yeah. But I thought Brad Gillis did a great job. I always like Randy's versions of those songs. Sure. I mean, Brad Gillis is awesome, too, but he just didn't... He was given a tough situation. Yeah, for sure. Okay, this is pretty cool. I like this Celebrity Raider record. All right. With Riot. Sweet. Rhett Forrester and Rick Ventura of Riot listen to a lot of radio on and off the road. At home, the New York City singer Rhett says he usually leaves records on the turntable and absorbs them before going on to the next. His personal picks are old Wilson Pickett and Free albums, but he added he just picked up the new Aerosmith and Bad Company albums. So here's some of the reviews that Riot gives. Let's see. First one up is Goody Two Shoes by Adam Ant. Rhett says, nice guitar song. Oops, intentionally scratches the needle across the record. (laughs) (laughs) Not an Adam Ant fan myself. Uh, 1999 by Prince. (laughs) Rhett calls it futuristic. Music for Star Wars. Sly Stone revisited. Prince sounds like he's doing a David Bowie thing with the Jackson 5 backing him. Hmm. Silly fucking record. Wow. Rick says, bag it. I'd rather wait until 1999. Wow. That's a long ways off. (laughs) Chain Lightning by 38 Special. Here's another song the lead singer doesn't sing on. The guitarist with the hits is the good songwriter. I haven't figured out what Donnie Van Zant does in the band exactly. Try to act like he knows what a bar chord is and hold on to it for dear life. I like their videos. Send that blonde chick to my house. Shock the Monkey by Peter Gabriel. The video for this song is tremendous. God damn. Doesn't that beat remind you of war? You'd expect to hear that harp player on Lowrider. Write down that it's the only record me and Rick intend to listen to all the way through. Hmm. Slip Tripped and Fell in Love by Foghat. I really like this. I actually do. It's got a good sound. 
It shows some good blues roots. I like them from Savoy Brown days. It's good dance music, good showmanship, good costumes. I give it a 97. Nice. High praise for Foghat in 83. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any of these other ones. Mm. Um, oh, Dire Straits, Industrial Disease. Being a singer, I find the singer's got weird, cool phrasing. No doubt he's doing his best Bob Dylan, Not but I don't think we can live through another Bob Dylan. <laughs> Ricky fucking hates it. <laughs> and then Dire Straits blew up on the next record. Right, yeah. Brothers in Arms came Riots out like a year later, and, oh, I think. Oh, man, what happened? Yeah. What about us? <laughs> Here's a band we know and love. It's the Mighty Kiss. Tales from the Road. Costumed Crusaders hit the tour trail with a new guitarist. Creatures of the Night Tour. Yep. I don't want to sound too egotistical, but you've got to be both blind and deaf not to realize we're the best live band in rock and roll, Kiss, as Paul Stanley said, as he sat in the group's spacious New York offices, wolfing down a bowl of chicken soup. <laughs> okay, that's metal. Yeah, I didn't know that was a relevant thing to put in the article. But Paul Stanley likes chicken soup. Film at eleven. It, you heard it here first, yeah. straight from nineteen eighty-three. Mm. Playing on stage is where our ideas have really had a chance to come to life. We've shown that anything the mind can't imagine, Kiss can do on stage. He added with a laugh. That's really true with this tour. You're going to have to see it to believe it. No other rock and roll band has ever used the concert stage quite like Kiss, from flying demons and moving tanks to billowing smoke clouds and blinding explosions. Over their ninety-year, over their nine-year, ninety-year career. <laughs> Is this a new article? No, not yet. Oh. They're they're getting there. <laughs> over their nine-year career, Kiss has created a concert legacy unmatched within the music world. Now that the Costume Crusaders have once again hit the concert trail and supported their album Creatures in the Night. Guitarist Stanley and bassist Gene Simmons, guitarist Ace Frehley and drummer Eric Carr, and new guitarist Vinny Wiz Vincent, who replaced Ace for the band's U.S. tour, have gone on to unprecedented lengths to ensure that the KISS concert remains the greatest show on earth. So here they're kind of making it sound like Ace is still in the band, but they've added another guitar player, just just for a minute. They were pushing that narrative for a while, yeah. saying that, that Vinny was just a fill-in for Ace, and Ace was going to come back and join the tour when he got healthy again. Golly, is it any wonder that Vinny Vincent went crazy after having to deal with all that shit? Kiss propaganda. Years? Am I in the band? Am I not in the band? Should I sign this contract? Is Ace coming back? What, you know? It was also the subject of the, the record deal and all that, like they had to have... They had to have right. three original members for the record deal to be valid. Right, and Ace really used Ace that was, to his advantage. Ace was already like, fuck this, I'm out by yeah. this point. Yeah. But I'm sure he had to try to use that as a negotiating point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Paul and Gene knew that, you know, it all depends on this. We have to put him on the cover. He had him over a to, barrel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're always looking to top ourselves, Stanley explained as he tugged on his knee-high leather boots. We've never worried about how much stage set was going to cost or how practical it was going to be. If we hit upon an idea that we like, we go to any lengths to make sure it happens. We don't know the meaning of the word no. From the very first day this band got together, everybody said to us, it can't be done. Forget it. Obviously, we never listened to them. We love going on tour, and we really haven't done that in the States for about two years. That's just too long a time. That is why this tour means so much to me, he added. Some of the most memorable experiences of my life have happened to me on the road. It's not surprising that many of Paul's fondest memories come from Kiss's road sojourns. Throughout their history, the boys in the band have gained well-deserved reputations as some of Rock's hardest partiers. While many of their experiences 
they prefer to dismiss with a sly wink and a coy no comment. Each band member has one tour memory that stands out above all others. For drummer Eric Carr, that experience occurred on his very first tour with KISS. We were beginning a tour in Australia, the curly-haired fox said with a grin. It was my introduction to what I quickly found out was KISS mania. It was unbelievable. I remember landing in Sydney expecting to just get off the plane and head straight for the hotel. Well, as we neared the airport, the captain came on the intercom to inform us there were about 5,000 kids waiting in the rain at the airport. We all had to run to the bathrooms in the back of the plane just to put on our makeup. (laughs) Wow. The other guys in the band had all been through experiences like that, but to me, it was all brand new. I've got to admit that I felt more than a little self-conscious walking back to my seat with my fox face painted on, but we got some very strange looks from the rest of the passengers. In fact, there was this little old lady sitting next to me who asked if I was going to hijack the plane. I guess she wasn't much of a rock and roll fan. It was quite an introduction to the way Kiss lives on the road, he joked, but I wouldn't have changed that for a million bucks. That's very cool. Mm Mm-hmm. As Carr was quick to discover, anything and everything is liable to happen to KISS when they are on the rock and roll warpath. Over the years, they have been assaulted by hordes of sex-starved groupies and attacked in, in a friendly manner by other rock bands. One particular incident remained in Paul Stanley's memory. I remember this one thing that happened to us during our 1976 tour. Rush was our opening act. And while they weren't very big at the time, we liked their albums and knew that they'd become huge eventually. Back then, they were happy to get the gig, and they toured with us for about two months. That tour ended somewhere in California. Right before the last gig, Gene, Ace, Peter, and I got together to plan a proper way to thank Getty, Alex, and Neil. We worked up this great plan during their set. Just when Getty was hitting one of his high notes... We all ran from the wings in full costume and hit him in the face with custard pies. (laughs) The crowd just went crazy. They weren't sure what was going on, but they loved it. And we went back to the dressing room thinking we had just pulled off one of the all-time great rock and roll moves. What we didn't know was that Rush had their own little plan worked out for us. Uh Just as we came on stage to start our set, I spotted Alex off to the side rolling a bag of marbles. Paul continued. (laughs) As the lights went up and we started our first song, he started rolling those damn things out onto the stage. You never really lived until you tried to play rock and roll in nine-inch platforms while trying not to kill yourself slipping on a bunch of marbles. (laughs) That's pretty ingenious. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, you hit me in the face with a pie. Let's see if we can break your arms and legs. Jeez. They weren't finished, though. Just when our crew had gotten the marbles off the stage, Getty popped up behind our amps and started blasting us with shaving cream. Then he put on an Indian headdress, pulled out a bow, and started shooting arrows at us. I wish there was video of all this stuff. I don't know how we sounded that night, but it was a show I'll never forget. (laughs) Gene Simmons' tour memory is nowhere near as amusing as Stanley's. In fact, his experience almost ended his rock and roll career as well as his life. People had been warning me for years that if I kept blowing fire during the set, one day I'd catch myself on fire, he said. It was something that was always in the back of my mind. But if you become apprehensive about it, that's when the accidents can occur. One night, a few years ago, we were playing God of Thunder, and I picked up my torch. I'd already filled my mouth with the fluid I use, and I did the fire blowing thing the same way I had done it a thousand times before. The only problem was is that I'd caught my hair on fire. I think the crowd thought it was part of the act. 
Luckily, the crew saw what had happened, and they came running out to save me. No real damage was done. The doctor said that my makeup may have saved me from facial burns. Since that night, I've always been twice as careful about blowing fire. Yeah, he did that a few times back in the 70s. Yeah. Guitarist Space Ace Fraley, who remains a recording member of the band, and that's in parentheses. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not even really he's that. He's not in the band. Listen to this one, Curly. We're always getting surrounded by girls who recognize us, even without our makeup, Ace explained. That's usually fine with me. The more the merrier. But there was this one time when there were too many women for even us to handle. We were headed back to our hotel after a show in Texas, and as we stepped into the lobby, a group of about 15 Southern Bells ran up to us and begged us to take them upstairs with us. Now, we like a good time as much as anybody, but 15 women? Even divided up among the four of us, that's a lot to handle. (laughs) What we didn't know, however, was that they weren't after what we thought they were after, he added with a high-pitched laugh. When we got them upstairs, one of them said, All we want is your autograph. We said, Well, if that's all you want, why did you want to come up here with us? At that moment, they all unbuttoned their tops. Suddenly, we had 30 bare tits staring us in the face. This is where we want you to sign them, one of them said. So for the next couple of hours, we autographed tits. (laughs) Ah, the troubles you have to put up with, with being a rock star. (laughs) Straight from the space ace. Man, we still got a little ways to go. So we got the uh, shooting stars section of the magazine, which is always cool. I mean, they got moving pictures in here, Janet Jackson, uh, Gary Moore, and Vandenberg, Vandenberg. I guess, making their first appearance in Hit Parade. In the Burning Heart. Which is pretty cool. I always like Vandenberg. They opened for Kiss on the Look It Up tour. Yeah. But this magazine's so old, it's kind of falling apart. Hey, wait a minute. Somebody stole my Aussie centerfold. It wasn't me. Took it in 83 and hung it on their wall. Mm. Got some Foreigner in here. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, Rock and Roll Hit Parade. Oh, I always liked these when they did this, when they'd ask oh, a yeah. rock band their favorite albums, their top 10 favorites. So you want to check out Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden's top 10 favorite albums? Sure. Did he dance around while he said what they were? Or no, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of somebody else. He dances around when he listens to Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Who's Next by The Who. Number eight, Strangers in the Night by UFO. Number seven, Captured Live by Johnny Winter. Hmm. Number six, Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy. Nice. Number five, Humble Pie Performance, Rockin' mm-hmm. at the Fillmore. Number four, Crimes of Passion by Pat Benatar. Huh. Number three, Van Halen 2. Number two, Free Live. And number one, Machine Head by Deep Purple. That, most of those make sense. As the Pat Benatar thing makes me think he was just trying to sound cool. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like the Humble Pie, Deep Purple, yeah, Free, that, that Thin Lizzy, UFO, totally. Yeah. Kelly Johnson, lead guitarist of Girls School. Number 10, Electric Warrior by T-Rex. Nice. Number 9, David Bowie Heroes. Number 8, The Idiot by Iggy Pop. Number 7, Revolver by The Beatles. Uh, number 6, Assemblage. It's Japanese import. Hmm. I don't know about that. I have to ask Kevin Williams. Uh, Number five, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. Number four, Hunky Dory by David Bowie. Number three, Scary Monsters by David Bowie. Number two, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Number one, Aladdin Sane by David Bowie. I guess she likes David Bowie. She really likes her David Bowie, yeah. Yeah. And the final one on the Rock and Roll Hit Parade, Ross the Boss. (laughs) This should be good. From Man of War. These all look pretty uh, what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Number 10, Made in Japan by Deep Purple. Number 9, Birds of Fire. Oh, it's a Mahashavarino Orchestra. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Yeah. Uh, Number 8, Zeppelin. 
first one. Number seven, Beck, Bogart, and a Piece. Mm, that's good. That is a good one. Uh, number six, D. Meistersinger, Von Nurberg. <laughs> no idea. I have to ask the Meister. Uh, number five, Mountain, Climbing. Nice. Played number four, Are You Experienced, Jimi Hendrix. Number three, Disraeli Gears by Cream. Mm-hmm. Number two, Live at Leeds by The Who. And number one for Ross the Boss, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I was expecting Ross the Boss to pick a Man of War album. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have ten albums back then. Yeah, but so just as one of his like top number ten, number one would be. That'd be funny if, he, if he picked his own album. That wouldn't be too far of a shock, I don't think. <laughs> Let's see if Ian Wadley was reading this magazine in 1983, and it came to the point where it was the hit parade or rock and roll win an album contest. <laughs> oh no! Remember these? You it gave you two choices, and you <clears throat> pick one, which one you wanted. <clears throat> Kiss Creatures of the Night or Sammy Hagar Three Lock Box? Oh. Which one are you signing up for? Three Lock Box, of course. They got a little section here called Sports Challenge. Okay. I don't remember this. This month, it's Shooting Pool with Phil Mogg. Uh, we, can, we can skip over Shooting Pool shooting with Phil pool. Mogg. Heavy Metal Guitar Lessons. Look at that. Remember those? Uh, yeah, it was before the metal method with Doug Marks was like a couple. Oh no, years this later. is metal method. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, he's still doing those. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And he had a band called Hawk that was a LA band. Yeah. And uh, Scott Travis was the drummer, and Lonnie Vincent from Bullet Boys was the bass player. Oh wow. Yep. That's cool. I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Master the speed, licks, and tricks of Van Halen, Rhodes, Page, and more. Well, a lot of people bought that metal method. I saved eight hundred forty dollars on this guitar. There's a lot of wild stuff you can order in here. I really like the little, the little, the little uh, advertisements in mm-hmm. here. Pen pals and shit like that. Satin pants company. <laughs> poems needed. Songs and poems wanted. Rockaway. Remember that? The world's largest collection of rare and imported records. Yeah. So it's like the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, truly, this is the internet of 1983 yeah. for rock and roll music. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of these little ads in here where they want you to uh, send in your, your lyrics. Mm-hmm. Printed guitar picks. I always wonder what happened t-shirts. to stuff like that. It's just I guess it's one of the things where like they, they took it and tried to give it to songwriters. Maybe. And said, well, you know, what can you do with this? And then never gave that person a penny. Mm-hmm. One day they hear their song on the radio and go, well, that sounds kind of like mine. Well, yeah, and they're like, if, well, if you're dumb enough to send yeah. it in without protecting it, then so be it. Yep. Oh, what else? It's we got all the here? classifieds now. We're getting, yeah. out, getting down to the end. Getting down to the end of the lyrics and the classifieds. Oh, I like this one. How to make others secretly do your bidding with the astonishing power of automatic mind command. Ooh. It's a book you can order that's going to teach you how to get everything you want. I think Vinnie Vincent subscribed to that. Yeah? Sorry. I might have to order that and see if it's still out there somewhere and see if it works. How to get people to pay $500 to come to your birthday party. Well, here's a section for the ladies. It's got makeup, and if you're embarrassed by stretch marks, if you're looking for thicker, stronger, longer hair. Well, I am. If you're wanting to remove unwanted hair. Ew. In seconds, wrinkles fade away. This is the internet. Jay Giles' band is in here. We're getting to the end. Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar was busy. This place is a mess. Rocks raining. Queen moaned. A lot of moaning going on. Yeah, all, I, I, all the women Jack, moan. Pat Benatar, they're just moaning about stuff. She moaned as she dashed back and forth, dusting, mopping, and cleaning every inch of the tour bus that carries Pat and her band. Most people think that just because I'm a so-called rock star, I don't have to concern myself with mundane things. Well, let me tell you, she laughed. With this bunch, if I didn't clean up a bit, there'd be total chaos. 
Actually, I kind of enjoy doing this. I guess once we're off stage, I'm just another woman who likes to clean and cook. Oh, this is so sexist. Is this one? <laughs> is that one of those that Andy Setcher just made that Ooh, up? Well, I don't know because there'd be a lawsuit now if he did. Yeah, that'd be terrible. People would be upset about that. I guess just, just a different time. Yeah, for sure. And Neil Giraldo doesn't get mentioned once. That's a, that that tells you how things have changed. Yeah, he's in here. Uh, well, I'm sure he's in there, but yeah, like now, like anytime you see a Pat Benatar advertisement, Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, like he, yeah. he's on the same level as she right. is. Right. Well, I mean, that's one of the things you got to think. He was such a contributor to everything that she did, yeah. but it was always just Pat Benatar. She's the star, though. Right. It's not like, somebody's like, I can't wait to see Neil Giraldo. It's kind of a bar. I know Pat Benatar might be there, too. <laughs> Give me a break. If you go on Metal Sludge, Neil Giraldo's name's like three times as big as Pat's. That's funny. <laughs> and then you got finally caught in the act, Rush. Uh-huh. This was the old point-counterpoint they used to do. I always used to think these were pretty funny. So you'd have somebody on one side talk about the subject, in one way and somebody talk about it the other way. So I'm going to read this out all the way to right. wrap up this episode. The last page has got uh, carving guitars and amps or dynamite. And that comes from Jefferson starship as an endorsement and the California series of acoustic fender guitars on yeah. the back cover. All right. But let's talk about rush all right. as we wrap this up. First, we got Kelly green and he, she's going to be responded to by Don Mueller. Both of whom may be completely fictitious people. We don't. Are they supposed to be writers for Hit Parader? Uh, They are point counterpointers. Okay. So, Kelly Green says, Don, you lost cause. Let's face facts. I agreed to attend that repulsive rush rectical. Oh. (laughs) Recital? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Rectable. Let's face facts. I agreed to attend that repulsive rush recital with you last week only because you promised me a night I'd never forget. Well, Don, baby, I guess you were right. It was just so revolting that I doubt I will ever forget it. Rush was pathetic. By the way, so were you, honey. I can understand that Rush's stage show was probably a thrill for an aging acid casualty like you. But for my cultivated tastes, that electrical extravaganza had all the excitement of our last dinner together. You remember the night you fell asleep in your bowl of lentil soup? Don't you realize that a flashy light show and second-rate movie clips just don't make up for the total lack of musical imagination those bozos possess? Holy shit. (laughs) We found the, the least informed person on earth. I know that Getty Lee reminds you of your Aunt Matilda. But not only is Matilda a lot more butch, she's probably a better bassist as well. Wow. Old Getty is the perfect frontman for this sorry lot. His castrato vocals capture the essence of Rush's neutered musical vision. Sure, they make a half-ass attempt to be trendy with their watered-down synthesizer warblings and second-rate reggae of New World Man, but they don't have the smarts to pull it off. Don't these guys realize that power trios died out with the 60s? I will admit, I kind of enjoyed Alex Lifeson's pseudo-new wave haircut, but he should have gone all the way and worn some makeup, too. The other two clowns, especially drummer Neil Peart, seem totally caught up in hitting every macho pose in the book. Oh my god. Don Darling, I hadn't seen anything so absurd since that night I hung you naked from your mirrored ceiling with a double stuffed Oreo crammed up your nose. Whoa. (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? What the? Wait, let's let's do the counterpoint. 
This woman. This is the response from this Donald. woman looked at a picture of Rush and made everything else up. Possibly. Wow. Kelly, you ignorant slut. <laughs> What's your problem, woman? What does it take for you to realize that your peculiar fondness of half-wit posers just don't cut it in the world of real rock and roll? I'm sick and tired of you putting down Rush just because their instrumental skills and lyrical intelligence rub your new wave sensibilities the wrong way. Believe me, sister, Rush will be alive and well long after the boys in Duran Duran have split for that special purgatory for punkettes. Punkettes. The thing that amuses me most is that I remember when you thought Rush was God's gift to mankind. I even seem to recall the suicide note you wrote quoting from Hemispheres the night you flunked your sex education final. Just because you've started dyeing your hair pink doesn't mean that Rush's hard-hitting sound and thought-provoking lyrics are any less impressive today. I know that you think you've seen the ultimate in stage shows at all your punkoid clubs, but even a herpes-haggard hussy like you <laughs> must admit that no one can, can match Rush on stage. When they beamed films of the space shuttle launch on their huge movie screen at the beginning of Countdown, that alone was worth the price of admission. Add to that Pert's expert drumming, Lifeson's incredible guitar work, and of course Lee's unmatched vocal skills, and what you have is one of the best shows in rock and roll. Just because Getty's high notes during Spirit of Radio shattered your engraved Cartier Coke spoon, well, <laughs> you must think that Rush has no redeeming values. Well, toots, there's more value in one of Getty Lee's bass notes than an entire Culture Club song catalog. Point. Counterpoint. I always wondered where Triple H's name came from. What was that? Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Uh, yeah, it was like Herpes Haggard... Hussy? Herpes Hussy? <laughs> yeah. I always wonder where that name came from. Next time I go to a wrestling show, I'll write that on one of those big yeah. poster boards and hold it up. And Get your ass kicked? See how long it takes for security to <laughs> escort me out. What the fuck was that? That was pretty cool, man. I liked going through the magazine like that. There's there's a lot of memories. It's like kind of a time capsule of May of 1983. And, wow. You know, it's neat to talk about these things and look at them in retrospect. about and how make fun of them. And make fun of them <laughs> a little bit, yes. But it's also kind of cool. I like the uh, album review from Riot. Mm-hmm. thought that was pretty good. I like the stories from Kiss. That was pretty neat. That's, that's the kind of stuff that you'd read as a kid and think Kiss was this thing that you know you would watch like uh decline of western civilization and go that shit's real yeah you know in the same way that you'd read these magazines and fantasize what it must be like to be kiss or yeah. motley crew or van halen or these bands that are telling these stories about the groupies and the fans that are mm-hmm. so excited to see them and the partying and the good times you know and made you want to want to be that or be closer yeah. to it or learn more about it i mean i was addicted to these magazines oh me too maybe not in 83 no but as i got before my time as i got a little bit older <laughs> yeah once, i couldn't uh, wait for the new metal to come out or the new hit parader or whatever had kiss on the cover 87 on i was like a weekly subscriber to a lot of these magazines for sure all right so i'll bring the magazine next time okay and uh i want to do something from like the hair metal era cool something like 88 somewhere around there right on well uh but yeah interesting to go through like let us know what you guys think of this if you like this concept yeah and like we said you know we discussed this with our vips before we even brought it out to do this so you know they already were in the know Mm -hmm. you want to be in the know become a decibel geek vip all you got to do is 
just go to patreon.com, look up Decibel Geek, pick your level of commitment, and guess what you get? All kinds of extra content, stuff we've been recording now for years. Yeah. We've got Chris and Aaron shows that, what what are you up to, 100-something? I don't know, over 100. There's yeah. a, over 100 episodes of Chris and Aaron. There's a bunch of torpedo dudes on there. We're uploading new stuff all the time. You get to be a part of the Decibel Geeks personal vip facebook group yep. where we do all our conversing and if we got a question or want to run an idea past somebody and we we want to talk to our most our most important fans the ones that are the ones that really truly support decibel geek those are our vips so when we have an idea mm-hmm. we like to run it past them and see what they think because we know they care about the show a little bit more than everybody else yep. so those are the people we turn to and we like it that yep. way so yeah, this is interesting to experiment with and, yeah. and, and go through it. But yeah, some good stuff in there. Keep your eye on the Decibel Geek TV YouTube yeah. channel. Rock and Ron just got back from Monsters of Rock. I'm sure he's got a ton of footage. Some cool stuff's already coming out. Yeah. Lizzie Borden, man. Man, wow. he still kicks ass. I'm so jealous I, I didn't get I was I so wish I could have gone to that. Me too. Yeah. Well, I want to see Lizzie Borden live before I die. But we get to live vicariously through mm-hmm. Rock and Ron on Decibel Geek TV. Yeah. And of course, um, Facebook, you know, you want to check us out there, get in on the conversation. Yep. Adam Cox running things over there for us. We love him for it. Yeah. Something always interesting going on over there. Also looking for um, some new writers for the website. Uh, website was relaunched, so we uh, need some more content on there. So if nice. you're interested in becoming a writer, go to decibelgeek at gmail.com and uh, let us know you want to write, and we'll get yeah. you set up. You want to do album reviews yeah. of new stuff? You want to do album reviews of old stuff? You want to go to concerts and give your yep. thoughts on that? Yeah, it's all good. You know, you can do that on decibelgeek.com. You know, build yourself a reputation yeah. as a rock and Join roll journalist. Team. You know, that's all we've done. None of us have gone to school for journalism, but mm-hmm. here we are. Reviewing journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Pseudo journalism from Hit Parader in 1983. Before we get out of here, let's talk a little rock and pod. Yeah, uh, website launched this past Friday, so yeah, uh, yeah we're lots of big announcements. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're up and rolling now. So yeah, got um got about ten guests already confirmed, including stars. Yeah, stars is uh, they're going to be our big headliner for the rock and pod pre party. I think that's going to be a really big deal here because it's the first time since 1976 that Stars has played in Nashville. So yeah. I know not only is that going to be a big deal for all the people coming from different parts of the country, different parts of the world to Nashville for Rock and Pod, that's going to be a big deal for the people yeah. of Nashville themselves. Yeah, I'm excited to have those guys here. Then they'll they'll be at the expo the next day. We're going to have them on stage for a panel about the history of the band. Nice. I can't wait to hang cool. out with Joe X Doobie again. Oh, I he's, love he's the best. Love him. And uh, finally get to meet Richie Rano. So you know he's nice. a he's he's a legend in in my opinion, and I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. Also, uh, Ron Keel's coming back. We got awesome. uh, Troy Lucetta from Tesla is going to be there. Love him. Also, Tommy Skio, formerly a Tesla, is going to be there. Wow. So, uh, yeah. He's got a, a great new band called Resistant Bite that uh, is just coming out. So, and we might have Troy and or Tommy on the show leading up to the expo. That'd be too. great. I'd love to do that. Maybe a little albums unleashed that, action. That might be fun. And also, don't forget the night before. You know, we're doing the the concert with stars, mm-hmm. and we also have Tyson. You guys all remember Tyson yep. from being on the show multiple times. He's doing one of his rare hair deals, yeah. and just like last year, lots of special guests. Oh, so yeah. when you're hearing these special guests being announced, think about maybe it might be special to see this person get up on stage and jam with that person yeah. that hasn't played together for a long time, or to hear this person do a song that you'd never normally hear them do. And mm-hmm. just like last year, it's going to be just packed full of amazing surprises yeah also coming tony harnell's coming back this year sweet jason beeler from saigon kick everybody liked jason beeler last year yeah 
As we uh, announced a couple weeks ago, to- Toby Wright will come back. Yeah, uh, Gary Cor- very first announcement. Gary Corbett also wouldn't be a party without Gary. Yeah, uh, Not for me anyway. Christopher Williams from Accept will be back. Sweet. And, we were bummed out that he couldn't make it last yeah. year. He's busy as the drummer in Accept. You know, yeah, but we finally got him pinned down this year. So maybe he might have another famous drum kit show up at the expo. Again. All right, all right. Um, Drew Fortier is coming back. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a lot going on. Then of course they, we're doing the rock and roll double feature uh, the night of the expo. Uh, at Full Moon Cineplex. We're going to have a screening of The Greatest Show on Earth, Andrew Scambatti's documentary, and uh, also Kiss Meets Phantom with uh, some comedians doing live commentary. Are they going to be putting our drunk asses on a bus and hauling us over there? Well, we're doing that for the pre-party. That's um, okay. I'm not sure about for the night of the expo, but like that's another thing. If you stay at the hotel, which is the Hilton Nashville Airport, um, we have just a little $10 thing you can buy and ride on a bus to and from the uh, pre-party concert so that saves you from having to worry about driving you can drink drink all you want just get picked you know dropped off and picked back up and then uh, the movie screening that night and then another we're doing a comedy show at Zany's on Sunday but like details for that we're still working out I'm looking forward to all this but yeah it's it's gonna be a busy weekend and I'm still working on other guests so we're, we're not even close to being done there's a thing on the Facebook page right now that asks you who would you like to see at Rock and Pod? Mm-hmm. Who's your dream guest ever? Who do you think would be a perfect fit for the party that goes on in yeah. August in Nashville? And if you want to chime in on that, yeah. we're watching it because we we love to get the input from Absolutely. you guys. Yeah. You know, and check it out because Rock and Pod, just like this show, it's not for us; it's for you. Yeah, you know. And so we want to know what you like. Mm-hmm. If you like this mag, this rock mag thing we've done today, yeah, say so. Let us know if you are coming to Nashville for Rock and Pod. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get in. On it at rockandpod.com yeah. to get your disc to get your discounted hotel. Yeah, there's a discounted hotel deal there. We have to fill up our room block to cover our costs. So yeah. please book at the hotel. Right. And that's yeah. that's the beautiful thing about it. That's why everybody likes doing that because we're all together in a group. Yeah. You know, and so when we're hanging out together, we're partying together, we're staying at the same place. It's all a big community thing mm-hmm. that doesn't just happen at the expo. No. It happens everywhere you go right. the whole time. Yeah, so we're doing that and, and then we'll have a special deal like sign up for the mailing list and if you sign up for the mailing list which there's a sign up thing on the website there'll be an explanation there about how you if you stay at the hotel you can get into the expo for free so it'll have instructions for that and you don't even have to write a poem and give it to us rights free or anything you do have to draw a picture of a parrot's head (laughs) (laughs) and do the charles atlas workout Awesome. Well, thank you guys once again for listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Stay tuned. All kinds of cool things happening in the future. And we will be right back here with you next week. See you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.